A woman with a voice is by definition a strong woman, but the search to find that voice can be remarkably difficult. That was Melinda Gates, who wisely proclaimed that a woman with a voice is, by definition, a strong woman. As the fight for gender equality marches on, women still earn just 83 cents to a man's dollar. We have a lot of work to do, even in 2022. But we've also come a very, very long way in just a few short years. So today, I invited Atlanta radio and TV legend podcaster and media maven Mara Davis on to discuss being a lone female voice in a very male-dominated world of radio in the days of yore to how using her voice has opened the door for women everywhere. You know, I've listened to Mara Davis for over 20 years. It was such a joy to actually be able to have that legendary voice talking to me on this show. And you'll see why she's so beloved. She is a master at interesting conversation and weaving in and out of thought-provoking topics and definitely has a strong opinion. It's what they call NPR driveway moments. You know, when you get to where you're going, but you don't want to get out of your car because you don't want to stop listening. Yes, that's what you're in for. I will also note that if you're looking to clear out some space, before the new year, physically, mentally, and emotionally, it is not too late to join my free clearing challenge. Just go to allisonhair.com forward slash clearing. Uh, we are well underway. We've got a great community and a lot of people are doing incredibly liberating things as they get ready to start a new year and start a clean slate. Here's my chat with Mara Davis. If you'd like to listen to these episodes ad-free and early and support an independent podcaster, that's me, sign up at patreon.com forward slash culture changers or go to allisonhair.com for the direct link. I'm so excited to welcome Atlanta legend, Atlanta radio TV personality legend Mara Davis. Welcome. Wow, that's a quite a run up. I've got a lot of expectations <laughs> to live up. Thank you for that. Listen, you wear so many hats. We have so much to talk about. <laughs> Let's get into it. You had so you've had a long, long career in radio. Um, and you have a personality that's very likable. It's I mean, you're you are a super connector, somebody that um, can adapt really well and have spent so many years in radio where you kind of have to somewhat be neutral and pleasant all the time. And all of a sudden you leave radio and you have an opinion and you're not afraid to use it. How do you, how do you embrace that? You've always been kind of groundbreaking as a female with a voice and a mic. Well, that was really nice of you to say. Uh, radio was a really good run. I was on the radio in Atlanta full time for 17 years and really grew into my voice. It took a long time because there's always a program director or a format change or a what you should be and how you should be it. But leaving radio, uh, not by choice, obviously, it was a format change. It never is. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, leaning into that opinion and the voice, I always felt that if you don't be true to yourself and speak up on certain things, for better or for worse, no one's ever going to remember you. 
So that was always, it wasn't something that I did calculated. It wasn't like, I'm going to do this to get attention. It was just like, wow, I really feel this way and I'm going to talk about it. So I'm wondering about Atlanta radio or radio in general um, has historically been very male dominated uh, as a female voice. I used to work in radio 20 years ago. I worked at 96 Rock, which was oh, wow. the most male dominated oh, ever. I didn't know that, Allison. Yes, yes. I used to work in sales. Okay. Um, and uh, and it was so male dominated. It was so, how do you, like, it's easy to stand out because you are a female, but how do you, how do you get your piece of the pie when it's weighted against you? I have to, I'm so glad you brought this up because I I want to stress that I had such a wonderful full-time career in radio and I was granted so many incredible opportunities and it is defined who I am, but it was such a challenge. I could never get beyond being the midday girl. There was always one woman on the radio. You could never have two women back to back. You could never play two songs from two women back to back. Hmm. There were never any female general managers or people in upper level management that were females. It was really, really hard. And it was just different being a woman. Did you notice it or was it just how oh, it was? Yes. It was the way it was. And it was also this weird, bizarre competitiveness between other women. I remember mm, working. There's only one spot, that's right? It. There's only one yeah. spot. And I remember when Katie Kylie, who you probably worked yeah. with at 96 Rock, yeah. uh, who was one of my dearest, dearest friends, were like sisters, basically. She's the godmother to my son. Like, that's how close we are. When she came to work at Z93, everybody was like, oh my gosh, is this going to be a cat fight? This was the mm. mentality at the time of what was about, and 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 we proved them all wrong and became really close friends. So yes, it was a challenge. And, and when I wanted to do the morning show, which I did, I did a morning show for like a year or two. It was always, well, a woman can't host a morning show or two women can't host a morning show together. Now, this is... This is not that long ago, Mara. It's not that long ago. So think about that now and even think here we are in 2022 when we're recording this. If you look at any talk radio station or any uh, sports radio station, there are no women on the full-time lineup. They're either the sidekick or the weekend this is an industry that has always been, unfortunately, very misogynistic. Um, and that's why I stress, I had a great run and I'm very appreciative of that. But I could never. So when I got out of radio, it was just like there was no place for me because I was just known as the midday girl. Well, I thought, you know, the reason why I had reached out to you is you, you had posted about when you left, I think it was uh, 10 years ago in 2012. And you had shared that you were told the phone would be ringing off the hook for you. That's right. And you got met with, you're too opinionated. Nobody's going to pay you what you're, you know, what you want to get paid. You have to lower your standards. Did you? I love that question because I didn't know what I had to do. I just wanted to go back to work. But yes, I had to fake it till I made it. And I'm still doing that. Right. I think that I even had an agent at the time who was not, was telling me these things too. Now, look, I had done very well in radio. I got great ratings and I lived a very comfortable life. I was paid very well. But to be fair, 
I was bringing the company a lot of uh, revenue. ratings. Or, yes. Revenue r- yes, ratings, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't, you know, it's it's not like they blessed me or whatever. I bless them too. Mm-hmm. But I was met with such resistance because I was making good money. And now, to be fair, the industry was changing. And people who made, you know, it was also like in 2008 in the recession and things started to change a little bit in the radio landscape. But yeah, I had to really take a step back from that, Allison. I, I had to do things where like I could make a couple hundred bucks by just showing up somewhere and saying hello on a radio remote to me hosting a uh, charity fashion show for free just to keep myself out there. So yeah, I, I had to build myself back up again and I had to be humble, but it was really a great learning experience because I think some people do get out of radio or TV and they're just like, wait a minute, I was the shit. And now <laughs> nobody's talking now to I'm me. Now I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right, right. So I think it was, it was, you know, and then, uh, I had so many interviews with, with big broadcasting companies that just, they really broke my, it broke my heart because mm. everybody was like, you are Mara Davis from Radio Free Lunch and Z93 and Dave FM. Oh my gosh. And it just didn't happen. It didn't happen. I was met with just, it was, it was brutal. It was a really tough year. I mean, so I know like people can see what I'm up to on social media and like, oh my gosh, life is amazing. But man, that first year, it was brutal. I, I, I had a, a really... Uh, a lot of gut checks, and I'm glad I have a very supportive husband and family that helped me get through it, and great friends and mentors that kept me going. And I think in this moment in time in 2022, the great resignation is a real thing. People are really considering, especially through the pandemic, I'm not fulfilled, and I've never been faced with that question before, but now it's smacking me in the face. What do I do? Do I keep climbing the corporate ladder or keep you know, having this, or do I pursue some dreams? And what I think is inspiring about you is what I'm sensing by the way that you are talking about all of your different interests and different ways that you can make money is that you've kind of paper clipped a career together from many, almost like a cafeteria of things <laughs> that kind of fall under the media category, you know, where, where you excel. And there are people listening that may have interests that are completely not in the industry that they're in today. And so I think I think what is changing is that it might mean that our career doesn't mean that we all of a sudden switch over and we have that big, grand, beautiful, um, what's the word? Uh, epiphany. It's like, or, well, you epiphany, know. Or even just, you know, like that, that big romantic fantasy yeah, comes yeah, through yeah. of of that one massive break that is given where you never have to worry about money. You have your dream job. But I wonder, and it's a really long way, I'll probably edit this down. Um, how do you, how do you, can you talk about um, stitching a career together and maybe letting it be okay that it's not the one answer when you are multi-passionate? Right. So that's a great question because where I am now is some place that I never expected to be. 
I was doing a lot of different things after radio and I was just kind of trying them all doing a little bit of TV. I was doing Atlanta eats and I was doing uh, a little PR and social media consulting because uh, a dear friend of mine said, you're good at this and you understand it. Try it. And I never thought I could do it, but I did it because again, I just wanted to keep working. Then I randomly got an opportunity to do a pilot for the Food Network. And I thought it was going to be exactly what you were talking about. Oh, my God. This the is sky it. is open up. Heaven oh, has shown itself to you. It was a blind audition. I did the shoot for the pilot. It was the most glorious week. I was like, I am doing it. Watch out, people. Suck it, radio. Look <laughs> at me now. And it and 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 for anybody listening, when you do a TV pilot, it's like they love you until they don't love you anymore. It's one of those things where you're so in with the network, and then it could be like you're hot, 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 and then the door just closes, and that's what happened. It didn't get picked up, and I thought, oh my god! Again, this was like five years after radio, and it was just like I thought I was there, and I wasn't. Mm. Then a friend of mine who is an executive at Adult Swim called me and was like hey they're looking for a talent booker an adult swim the tbs this is the uh, cartoon network yes adult uh, they have you know rick and morty and eric andre show and based here in atlanta and she was like they're starting a streaming platform and they need someone to book talent and you just know everybody i think you'd be really good at this and i thought I am not cool enough to work there because Adult Swim has just such a cool, eclectic brand. It's it's iconic. And I just was like, I was so down in the dumps because I didn't get this pilot that I went for the interview and I got hired on the spot because I really clicked with uh, Matt Harrigan, who was the VP of, of, of digital content at the time. And that brand did that whole experience moved me into my talent booking business. I found that I was I had the skill from working in TV and working in radio, something I never knew I could do. So the biggest some, names too that you have relationships with. I booked a lot of famous people because I I had it, here I had the skill of I knew how to find people because I had been doing it for myself in radio, but I also knew that Adult Swim was a brand that people were going to take my call about. So I had two things going for me, but I loved the hustle of it. I loved but lining it up. I loved working with the managers and the publicists. This was something that I knew. This was something that I was like, it, where it's my friend Ollie who, who told me to do the interview. It was sort of, I was built for this. And it was really this weird thing of like, where I was used to being in front of the camera behind yeah, the microphone. Behind the scenes. And I'm great with it. It's all good. Look, if there's a microphone or a camera, I'm running towards it if you're inviting me. But I am also great to lift somebody else up and that is what I got early on when I got out of radio somebody that I met somebody who was a listener of mine who was like a corporate coach took me out to lunch once it was like do whatever you can to help somebody and pay it forward if you can mentor somebody if you can use your talent and help a charity or someone in another career do it help use your service use your expertise be of service to people and that went such a long way for me and I think that's how I've been able to bob and weave through different things but through that adult swim experience I now have a business I mean that's pretty much the bulk of what I do right now what did you learn the most out of that experience it sounds like you had an epiphany of just 
why didn't I understand this before? I think you have to rely on your friends. Um, and especially if you're, you, you talk about a lot of women who are in the corporate world yeah. and who are, you know, look, when you're a strong woman and you're a doer and an operator, it is important to surround yourself with other strong women. And I think we can all lift each other up. I am always there to mentor somebody, give somebody advice. Sometimes it's not what they want to hear, but I'll give it anyway. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, it was the epiphany for sure. And I leaned into it for sure. But there's other stuff that I still want to do. Now, look, I have a padding of a husband who has a full-time job. So it, what you're saying as far as people who want to go from corporate to a yoga instructor or whatever may not be easy for everybody. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is start doing it part-time. What you can do is work from home. What you can do is lean on some of your friends for advice. Um, and you shouldn't be shy about it. And the other thing that I think people should do is we live in a time where you can reach out to people directly. You saw my post on Instagram, you messaged me, and here I am. Mm -hmm. So the internet and social media can be a dark, gruesome garbage dump, but can also be a tool for goodness. And I use that to my advantage as far as if there's something that I like or someone that I admire, I reach out to them. And, and, and tell them. And it's it's really paid off for me in a lot of ways. I think that's a beautiful message there that I hope, I hope the listener got that, that if there's somebody that you admire, reach out to them. And I think people do feel like because they might have a bigger following that it, your message wouldn't matter. And I think reaching out, and especially for people like me and like you, I am a super connector and I have a lot of friends that are super connectors. They don't really know what to do with it, you know, like they just like making connections. So I think that's a really great advice. I, I love doing that. I feel like it's it's just like the way my friend Ollie Green did that for me. Um, I have passed on that opportunity with other people. That's why I always raise my hand to mentor students, women. Sorry. I think that's, um, I, I feel that is a responsibility and my calling. I love connecting people and that's all part of talent booking, right? I love placing people. Nothing makes me happier than me giving an idea to one of my shows and then the guest goes well and they say thank you. And that's like, it's, it's amazing. And, and I think paying it forward really feeds your soul. I think it's really, really important, but reaching out to people and saying, look, my podcast with Senator Jen Jordan uh, and now Terry Anulowitz. I called Vote Her. It's called Vote Her Podcast. I reached out to Senator Jordan because I saw her speech in 2019 about the restrictive abortion bill. And I saw that on, on YouTube. And I it blew me. I was so and moved. Jennifer is running for... She's running for attorney general, yeah. but I saw this and I was so moved by it that I just sent her a direct message on Twitter. And we formed a great friendship and a podcast out of it. So don't be shy. Be thoughtful and also use brevity, right? Yeah, you got... <laughs> <laughs> don't send somebody... And, and You don't need a dissertation. And also, well, people love 
talking about themselves and they love being acknowledged and they love being seen. Mm-hmm. So look, you may not get a response from somebody that you admire, but nine times out of 10, yes, you will. And especially if it's in an industry that you want to reach out to, reach out. Or I always, my big career advice for people that I always give, I know it's so basic, but set Google alerts. If there's a corporate Mm -hmm. executive that you like, if there's a celebrity that you like, if there's an athlete that you like, um, you can find people's information on the internet. Like I said, it's a it can it's garbage, but it's also useful. But I think it is, you know, like as some people don't really know or feel like it might be opportunistic to do that. But I think I think there is a deserve level that needs to be raised for women of thinking. I think it is our default mode, whether it's societal or whether it's something that we put on ourselves or both, to think, I have nothing to offer that person. I I don't, I won't matter in their life. And they don't do it. Right. I think it is hard, right? It is hard to, look, I, and I'm, I'm someone that's a very, you and I are super connectors. That's yeah. what I do. I reach out to people all day long. And I understand that that can be a daunting thing. But the worst things that can happen is you don't get a response and they ignore you. I mean, and that's just it. So I ignore people too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 I try to really stay on top of that because I remember people that I, like uh, specifically when I got out of radio, I remember there were people that I tried to reach out with a network to and I got my, you know, a door in my face. So mm. So, uh, you know, and then, you know, they're coming back to me years later. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny how that works. All that karma. It's you just have to keep pushing. And I don't think you should ever give up on what your dream is. You can get out of it and you can get to the place you want to be. I think it's an interesting journey for you that you have a background not only in radio and TV, and uh, you obviously have a passion for food, you have a passion for podcasts, you have a passion for politics, and you've been able to really weave all of these multi-passionate things that may or may not connect, but they are just, you know, what, what you're passionate about. And I think the journey is interesting when, you know, people like me, I wish that I could wake up and just know that I was going to be a brilliant piano player and that's it and just put all my effort into <laughs> piano and I'm going to be this virtuoso right, right. and my life is going to take off and everything is easy. But people are multi-layered and they're multifaceted. And I think the fact that you've been able to kind of explore all these different pathways are interesting. I'd be curious to learn more about finding your voice as somebody who cares about politics, but uses a mic in a way that you have the power to influence other people. So, That's a bold move. Well, so the, the I always try to talk about politics Especially on the radio. Especially as a public figure. And yeah. I got in trouble. Like I remember playing like now the chicks on, on the radio. Yeah. And- would always get shit for it because I always the, their message really resonated with me yeah. and also women's empowerment really resonated with me but as far as the politics goes as I mentioned when I reached out to Senator Jordan and we had talked a bunch of times and really clicked and decided to do this podcast and 
maybe it was COVID where we were both looking for an outlet and something to do. But I had really been attracted to podcasts because coming out of radio and everybody said, you really should do a podcast. And I tried it out of radio and realized it is really hard work. It's work, right? And also, I didn't understand how the business worked, as in your podcast has a very specific message. Culture changers, you're talking to women who are p- pivoting and navigating through their career. And I wasn't there yet. So I took about a year to immerse myself in the medium, to listening to all kinds of podcasts. I was just fascinated with them. And I thought, if I'm going to do one on my own, I need to understand this medium. And anybody listening who wants to start their own podcast, you need to do the same thing. Because unless you're an avid consumer of this medium, you just shouldn't be, that's where too many people fail. So I decided Jen and I were going to do this. We had talked about it and uh, we really went all in. We bought all the equipment. What was the purpose? What was your initial purpose of starting it? I think the purpose was the 2020 election. Mm -hmm. And we were just obviously like so many people were just coming through COVID in the past four years of the Trump administration and and just uh, seeing women's rights being taken away and just so much uh, hatred and anti-Semitism and uh, just you name it. I mean, racism, the list goes on. And, and we and I just felt so inspired by Jen. Here was a woman who was around my age, who was speaking the things that that really resonated with me. Obviously, uh, choice is a big, big, big thing for me. And so we just thought, okay, the formula for this is going to be, I'm going to ask the political questions as you as this elected official state senator are going to give it to me in, in like a, in layman's terms, make it really easy for me to make it easy for the audience. I had the broadcasting experience, knew how to ask the questions, knew how to shift the conversation where she had the expertise in politics and government. And it really clicked. And we just thought, all right, we're going to do six episodes just for fun. And then we did 50 episodes together. I mean, now she's running for attorney general. But and then, of course, social media, I am pretty outspoken, mostly on Twitter, um, a little bit on Instagram obviously with Roe being overturned and the Dobbs Mm -hmm. decision, I will not shut up about it because this is, uh, I mean, it's catastrophic on many levels. It it sure is. And look, I'll admit this here. I had an abortion myself when I was 19. One in four women have. And so I think that's always been something that I gravitate towards because it happened to me. I lived it. I know a lot of women that have been through it. And you shouldn't be shamed for it. Mm-hmm. And so that was, again, why when I saw Jen, I was like, okay, this is my purpose. And so I think that's why I've been so outspoken about it because, you know, I spent the past week looking at college campuses with my son looking at schools for him. And I looked at every single girl on that campus. And I remembered myself at 19 and what I went through and what these girls are faced. And I had the opportunity to make that choice in that moment where some of these girls, they may not. uh, Right. So I feel it is important for me, but I am outspoken in that way. And I don't want to make the conversation about me. Because that's what I think where a lot of people get it wrong. Um, because it's not about me. It's about everybody. 
And um, I also think that people want to be heard. And that's something that people aren't really good at doing. It's just they want to give their opinion and give it and give it and give it. Like I respect any woman who wouldn't have made the choice that I made. I absolutely respect it and honor it. I think that's amazing. But that wasn't me. So I think that was really why I got so interested in politics and then being around Jen Jordan and who's a change maker like she, she literally is. can change. Yeah. But uh, and Terry Anolowitz, who's a, a House representative, watching women in politics and women who are writing bills and fighting for change. This is just to the beginning of our conversation where we talked about uh, women in radio. It's the same thing mm. where it used to be you had one token woman. You maybe had Ann Richards, the governor of Texas, you know, w- you know, way back that when, but now it's, you know, it's, you're seeing a lot more women get involved. And so that's my passion for politics. So that podcast was just like, we had a really tight, niche which is georgia politics with a women's bent and look we've had conservative guests on the show i am so open to talking to conservative women i wish i could have more open dialogue with conservative women on choice um but a lot of them don't uh i i don't want to make a generalization all i want to say is i am willing to listen and have a conversation with anyone who's willing to have a general conversation like like this. I want to hold, uh, I want to pause on that for a minute because it's something that I think about as well. So me as somebody who's very pro-choice has always, always, always been. And when I think about why am I pro-choice, like since I was a little girl and figured out what it was, there was never any question. And I wonder, there is no, I don't have any interest in talking to somebody I mean, I, I, I do have an interest in understanding their position, but I don't, like, there's no way I could be swayed. And so I wonder, I feel close-minded in that way. Mm-hmm. And um, and while I think I'm open-minded and open to hearing and understanding, I, I have so little tolerance because I don't understand in any shape or form that there would be any other way. And so I take that on as I, I wonder... If, uh, if that is a challenge, and that's the challenge that we all face as being so staunch in our ways of, of certain things. Well, I That th- particular one is very, very well, it, as hot it, for me. As it is for me, but I also think that people want to be heard, and I don't think people should be shamed for their convictions, but I want to be friends with people that are different from me. But I think the issue of choice is so much bigger than that. And I think it's, it's, it's again, going back to women pitting against each other. Mm. And I think having a conversation with a woman where like, look, I'm not trying to change their mind. I'm just trying to get them to understand my point of view, which is why I, I always say it's not pro-life. Everybody is pro-life. Right. We, nobody wants that. It's, yeah. it's, I think getting to the point, maybe if I can get to an understanding with another woman where it's just about privacy, it's, it's so look, I, I mean, but some of those, look, there are people that are going to be extreme on both sides, but I would love to have a conversation with other women. I always say on Twitter, when someone gets aggressive with me, 
I always say my DMs are open and I'm happy to have a conversation with you because I think people... You are awesome for doing that. Well, you know what? For, first of all... Please pe- reach out to Mara Davis. And do- <laughs> well, 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 number one, a lot of people are wimps. They're, they're, they're going to say something behind the keyboard that they're not going to say to your face or in private. And the people that I do have a conversation with, look, I've had, I've made friends that way and we may not see to eye to eye, but we can maybe have a better understanding where I have learned to have a better understanding of someone who believes so deeply in their faith and how, um, this is something having an abortion is something they could never imagine that, that they are they are so strong in their conviction and their views that this is just something unfathomable to them and I truly respect that I really really do and I honor it just don't tell me I have to do the same thing that's all and I think it is such a shame I agree with that too and it is such a shame yeah. to me that this has been such a divider of women because if women could be more eye to eye on choice and reproductive health we can have so many more women in politics and I, you you wonder like why aren't there republican women and it it's because they ju- it, it's so tribal and they just can't get there where I bet if we invited a bunch of 10, 10 Republican women over for a book club or a coffee and we said, let's talk about our pregnancy stories, they would all have one for you. Hmm. And so I, I, I just I feel like we uh, on the left and on the right have done a lot of damage to polarize women and uh, I, I just, I, I want to be hopeful and optimistic, but I'm willing to have a conversation and listen. I love your hopeful and optimistic thing. And I, I'm calling out myself as being closed-minded because I'm, <laughs> I get so angry. I understand. That- <laughs> I, listen, I'm angry too. And not angry that they feel that way, of course. Well, but again, they're, they're I'm angry too. I mean, for mind. all the reasons, look, you know, uh, especially men, it's like you would, you know, men would call in sick for a period cramp. I mean, it's, it's, so it's just, here we are, you know, it's like have men go through menopause or have men go through childbirth or, you know, and they're suddenly the experts on reproductive health. It's, it's, it's just absolutely maddening. And yes, I'm very angry too. I'm very angry that, uh, I, if I lived in a state in the state of Georgia, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did at 19. Mm-hmm. And I have no regrets. If and, and I and this used to really irritate me because people would say, you know, when you get older, your views will change. And, or when you have your own child, your views will change. And it's actually been the opposite. I feel like, yeah, I had a child. I had money. I had a loving family. I had a job. I had resources. And guess what? It was still fucking hard. And I didn't love it. You know, I love mm. it now. Don't don't get me wrong. I love my son. <laughs> you know, that's like a clip like, all right, I didn't want, you know. <laughs> that's an isolated clip, like p- political uh, opposition research. But it was hard. It was brutal. Uh, so t- forcing that on someone is, is, is uh, why I'm st- strong in my convictions. And I don't think I could ever run for office. But if I can use my voice to 
uh, make people aware. Um, like I commented, some guy commented on something on my Twitter this morning and I was like, and my response was instead of fighting back with him, I said, one in four women have abortions. I can guarantee you someone in your life has had them, has, has been through this. Um, and I truly hope that no woman in your life experiences a, a complication and they can't get the care that they need. Thanks for the comment. So instead of me saying, there's no use in fighting back. Right. So, yeah. so, so, and a lot of times they won't respond to me. And if they're nasty, I will say, if you want to discuss this more, I'm happy to get in my, you know, we can talk more. And, and, you know, again, and I always have to check to make sure it's a real people because on Twitter, there's all kinds of bots Bots. and, you know, whatever. And I can always figure out who's a real person and who hasn't. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they get me. But (laughs) when I see it's a real person, I'm, I'm definitely willing to engage in a conversation. I think what the theme of our conversation right now is really about effective communication. Yeah. And I think what's interesting, I've done a lot of episodes on this, and I had David McGraney on the podcast, who is a a brilliant, brilliant writer and science journalist and best-selling author. And he wrote a book called How Minds Changed and did a lot of studies on this. And it's an interesting fact that you can, if you have opposing viewpoints, you could put all the data all the information, everything proving your point, but nothing will change unless it comes from the social group with where they belong. Mm -hmm. And so in many cases, social death is far greater risk than actual death. And it's a really interesting, complicated problem that I love that you and Jen are tackling together of how, how do we do this? And what I think is interesting about your show, Vote Her, is that, yes, it is very politically motivated, but it's got a pop culture bend as well. It's funny. Well, politics are pop culture. <laughs> I mean, yeah. w- and po- it's funny. Po- it's become sport now. I mean, really, look as we're leading to this uh, election and people are invested in it and it's changed. Uh, but... Yes. I mean, you know, a, a couple last episode, um, Terry and I were talking about this whole rainbow fentanyl thing, which is like, you know, it's crazy the world that we live in as in the the propaganda and the misinformation and how things go. My mother has to call me all the time because, you know, they watch Newsmax and Fox News all day long. And, mm-hmm. and I have to go through and debunk all the things her friends are saying. You Does know? your mom believe you? Oh, my mom is an NPR liberal, believe me. And she's super well-read. I mean, I think I get so much of my great communication skills through my upbringing and my mom. uh, No, my mom is extremely well-read, but she reports back to me what some of her (laughs) friends are saying. Is she living in the villages? She (laughs) lives in Boca Raton. Uh, But, you know, look. If you say something enough times, it's like perception is reality. You learn, I learned that all in college as far as, you know, in media classes. If you hear it enough times, the election was rigged. The elections was rigged. People are going to believe Mm -hmm. it. Uh, Herschel Walker, she's lying. She's lying. She's lying. Okay, you say it enough times, people are going to believe it. And we live in a world where you could dissecting, you know, misinformation is not something everybody does and that's something that we try to do on the vote her podcast to try and say okay 
this is something being reported, but here is what's really real. And even though it does have a right, uh, a left leaning slant, I am open to any feedback, comment, you know, as long as you're not nasty, I'm willing to have that conversation. And I wish, and this is what just upsets me about the radio business in general, I would love to be doing a talk radio show about this every single day. But unfortunately, the way talk radio is, it's just conditioned for right wing only and no women. Um, where I, you know, and, and I, I've even called out radio too. There's no right wing women on there. I know plenty of broad women in broadcasting who are conservative and they're not on mainstream outlets either. Do you find that there is any hope for the future in terms of representation? Because Fox news has always been marketed as an entertainment channel with some news thrown in, <laughs> you know? And so it's, it's, job is to entertain and not necessarily always be factual. But CNN, MSNBC, all the way on the left, you know, also has a very clear bend with it where there is no straight reporting of news and and that that journalism that people long for uh, from before. Do you think there is any hope for finding really clear information without being brainwashed one way or the other, no matter where you get it from. Well, I think we are very tribal, and I do think that... Yeah, the, how do y'all inter- interpret it? That I, I think, uh, you know, minds are, that are so branded are not necessarily going to change. But I do think there is good journalism out there, and I do think there is good reporting, and I do think there are things. Unfortunately, these outlets that you just mentioned are, are for profit, and what's going to get ratings and clicks and views is what they're operating on. And I think the problem lately is the both sidesism of so much. There's a great Twitter account called both the, sidesism. Yeah, I like that. It's this great Twitter account. Um, it's it's the New York Times pitch bot. And it go it's it's the it's at Doug J Balloon and it just calls out outlets for trying to justify how articles will try to justify both sides isms like oh you know like how everything's Joe Biden's fault or racism here's you know why this could be good you know it's all these like crazy real articles that are out there but yeah I mean I think. I don't know. My husband has said this for a long time that at some point people are just going to reject the internet and people are just going to like go, you know, not consume it as much. I haven't seen that happen. Yeah, I don't re- recently. Okay, but but uh, you know, I I don't know. I I I think it's it's it is tough, and I think that uh, yes, there will be some. I think the young people will save us. That's what I think. I think younger people know. And I think the most important thing that that we need in the future is for government and politics are young people. We got to get rid of these olds. Mm. You know, anyway, I I mean, it really, I mean, I want to see young blood, you know, Democrat and Republican uh, really reflecting the views of this country. 
So to pivot for a minute, I know that you have always loved pop culture. Yeah. And you have these podcasts. What is next? What's exciting? What do you see that uh, in pop culture that is really capturing your attention lately? Well, I think podcasts are really a fascinating medium. And I think the whole business of podcasting, it's still a wild, wild west. And there's a lot to grow from there Mm -hmm. where you see a lot of these podcasts where it's like long form journalism. And as getting back to your question, I think podcasts are a great way of long form journalism. That's really, there's some really great work being done there. And these podcasts can be developed into television series. Um, we have serial, they can get people out of prison. Yeah, that's amazing. So there are, so, so, so the medium of podcasting is really exciting. I think television series has been absolutely fantastic. As far as when you're watching a 10 episode series as opposed to seeing a movie is done so much for actors and creators when you think about like look at someone like Reese Witherspoon who is really uh leaned into female focused storytelling and giving roles to older women and when I say older, that could be 40s, 50s, 60s, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you were not seeing that you were not seeing a cast of big little lies, which is a full female, you know, that's just an example of it. So I think there's going to be more of that. I think there's going to be more um, serving audiences that uh, haven't been served. You know, why did people love crazy rich Asians? And it went crazy and people watched it because that was an audience that was not being served. So I do think that is a big pop culture change where you're going to see more LBGTQ. You're going to see more black programming. You're going to see more shows that weren't there that are suddenly now there because people are finally waking up to that. And I love that diversity. I love seeing shows or like living lives um, that, you know, I may not see in my everyday life, but I can learn about it on a series or on a podcast. I agree. Do you feel like entertainment um, is changing the culture? Is that how people's minds truly get changed? Yes. I think certain things, I think, it can happen in many different ways. I think, um, like, look at a show like Insecure. Uh, I don't know if you've watched it with Issa Rae. It's show. like the best show. It's it's about these uh, two best friends, black girls in Los Angeles. You know, one's a successful lawyer. One's a woman who's finding herself. And it went on, I think, for five or six seasons. And it was just like, you know, here was this look into friendship and black culture in this gorgeously done show hilarious show it opened my eyes up in so many ways to you know it was something that we could all relate to female friendship right but how did it change Issa Rae the creator creator of the show did groundbreaking things by hiring an all black obviously all black cast but all black crew all black owned businesses so this was something that was truly truly brown groundbreaking and i think a lot of people learned from that and ch- truly made change from that i'm not saying she's the first one that did that but there have been a lot it's of people. very intentional but i also think um it, 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 it like the shows that can change hearts and minds another example is that i don't know if you've watched the show made on netflix Mm-mm. 
that's another one where it's an it's a woman's journey of she has a teenage pregnancy and she is abused and how she has to get through the welfare system. And that really opened my eyes to poverty in America. So these are things where my eyes are open to things. And I think people's eyes are open to things, especially when it comes to women's stories, um, sexual assault. Uh, There's a, a, what's the name of that show? It's called uh, uh, Believed or Unbelievable. That's what it's called. And it's about uh, a serial rapist and how why it's so hard for women to report Mm. and that's something that actually does for good understanding why women don't say thing and what that what they're up against so i do think there are a lot of these things that yes can change hearts and minds or say thank you for sharing this story now i can share my story i know you write for paste and you do like a really interesting write-up on podcasts that you found periodically. You should do that for the Netflix shows too. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I would love, I, I would love to. They have a great television reporter, Allison Keene. By the way, she is so fantastic. I get so many recommendations from what she uh, writes about. But yeah, I mean, I'm always watching a show. I mean, people are always coming to me. By the way, you could always, you know, DM me, and I'll always tell you what I'm watching. <laughs> uh, currently, I'm watching. Tell Me Lies on Hulu. I don't know this one. Oh, that's like, it's a college story. It's a little soft porn. A little bit like soft porn. I'm I'm definitely going to watch it. (laughs) But it's about this like, like this kind of mystery of a crime that happens and like all the characters around it. And it's like all these kids in their first couple of years of college. So that's really good. Of course, I love Handmaid's Tale. I'm, you know, hugely into that. Um, So those are the, and I do, and I like American Gigolo on Showtime. It's pretty good. Did you happen to see, um, I just saw the Eliza Schlesinger um, special, the comedy special. I don't know. If I you haven't watch it. watched it yet, but she's it's called hilarious. Hot Forever, I yeah, think, or yeah. Forever Hot Forever. It's so good, and I love, I love comedians that make a cultural statement, and yeah. she does. And so it, it just, it feels like we are moving in the right direction. Well, again, in a lot of ways. It's it is, but it's bold women. It is bold women speaking their voice. I mean, look. And talk, trying to be a force for good. T- talk about reaching out to people. You know, I, uh, you know, I reached out to Amy Schumer on behalf of Jen I saw Jordan. that you just met her. I reached out to her because Amy Schumer is bold and she is an advocate on reproductive rights. And I sent an email to her manager. Now, again, this is what I do for my job. I'm able to find people's managers. But I said, you know, here is Jen and this is what she does. And, you know, and then Amy Schumer came back and said, well, come backstage and Jen can give a speech before my show. I mean, this is incredible. So to have these powerful women who lend other women to use their voices, that's why I always say you never know until you ask. I think one thing I I love and relate to you so much is how powerful our voices are for change. And you're doing it all over the place and you have fun stuff as well. You know, uh, what is next for you? Well, uh, I love talent booking. It's a lot of fun. I work on a couple of fantastic shows. So I'm very passionate about my clients. I have one media and PR, a, a 
uh, I work with Elle Duncan with ESPN and she is a incredible anchor. And so I'm helping her with her media and I love doing that. And look, I do HLN. I'm on there on the weekend sometimes and I do my podcast and look, I mean, I think if you asked me like what an ultimate goal would be, I, I don't know if it's possible. I'd love to be on the radio or a platform every single day where I could take calls and talk to people, whether that's a podcast or a radio show. As you know, being able to do that kind of podcast every day when you're funding it yourself, you just can't do it. I mean, I pay myself for vote her podcast. That costs me money. I don't make any, I don't, we don't have any ads because it's elected officials. So I just want to keep working. I love it so much. So I just want to keep pushing, whether it's behind the camera or microphone or in front of it. I'm just going to keep hustling for the next thing. You are a force for good. How can people get in touch with you, Mara? You can email me directly. I'm just at Mara at MaraDavis.com. You can find me on Twitter at Mara Davis. Instagram is Mara Davis 2000 because when I joined Instagram, there was already another Mara Davis. <laughs> so it's Mara Davis 2000. And listen, there are always or my website, MaraDavis.com. You can find me. I will always, um, I'm always open to talking to other women about making their career pivot because I have lived diversifying. You have to take risks you have to take that phone call and you have to be of service hmm, i love that what a perfect way to end thank you so much for being here mara thanks for having me yay <laughs> I just love Mara Davis. She always has such interesting points of view and is truly such a treasure to Atlantans everywhere and people worldwide. I've linked all her info in the show notes. And if you'd like to get all these episodes ad-free, get them early, get bonuses, and support me as an independent podcaster and obviously get a speed pass to heaven, go to patreon.com forward slash culture changers. As always, thanks for sharing these episodes and listening. And if you like what you heard, will you leave a written review on your favorite podcast player? If you don't like what you've heard, don't worry about it. It's cool. As always, be good to yourself so you can be better for others. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.